Welcome to another Kingdom Community Church podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. For it's what only God can do that we press in for. See, we don't need to press in for what we can do because we just do it. <laughs> We've got to press in for what only God can do. History tells us that that only comes to those who seek him with all their heart. It's not a lay down mazare that he's turning up and doing his thing just because we're there. Oh, he'll show up. Two or three gathered together in his name, he'll show up. But it, it's about our heart and our intent and what we're pressing in for, what we believe in God for. Because people can come together in his name and he'll turn up and he'll go, hmm, I might try the church down the road. He does that all the time. You know how I know that? Because in the Bible it says that Jesus turned up in his hometown one day and he tried to do a whole bunch of stuff and he couldn't because there was unbelief in the city. They were there, they knew he was there, but they didn't believe. They didn't believe him. Wow. Sure. We're pressing in for a breakthrough this year. We're going to another level and it doesn't matter how many people are here tonight. God wanted you here for a reason. He stirred your heart and you're hungry and you're here. That's important. It's important to God. Yeah? It's important for you. It's important for your family. Because tonight there's going to be something released that if you catch it, transform lives. I know it. Because God's been transforming my life with it. We're going after healing. We're going after miracles. We're going after extraordinary miracles. Only God can do. The things that only God can do. We can't heal the sick unless we're a doctor who knows how to use medicine in our own strength, that is. We can do all the concoctions and find the stuff and get the, you know, go online and, you know, get the stuff in from South America and this and that and the other and we can find our little potions and, and God's created things that will help. And, and, and oftentimes it's God's creative ingenuity that lands in a person's heart that helps them to find in the natural what is good. But then there are other times when it's just what, it's, it's only God. And that's what we want to see. Why do we want to see that? Because we want to see what God can do, not because we want the, 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 the fancy fare of, you know, oh, look at this. It's because we want to see the kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, just like he does. True, eh? He wants to see his kingdom established on earth. He wants us to go after what only he can do. And we've got to press in. We've got to go after it. There's an invitation to go after the more. There's an invitation from God himself to embrace the more, to engage with him at a level 
that is transformative, not just informative. I'm tired of doing church in my own strength. I'm tired of turning up and being disappointed. But I'm disappointed when I do things in my own strength because my strength is not good enough. And I walk away going, oh man, so much more could be done or said or felt or experienced if God, if God. And I go away and I find myself pondering, oh God, is it all worth it? You ever had those days? None of us are immune to that, are we? But then God draws us in with an invitation. Come on. Let me show you something. (laughs) And he wakes you up in the early hours of the morning. And at first you don't know what's going on. You're thinking, why am I awake? It's not fair. I've got to get up and go to work tomorrow. But then suddenly we realize, hang on a sec. Maybe it's God giving me an invitation. Come. Come to the waters and drink. Come buy and eat. That which you cannot afford. It's free. (laughs) All you got to do is respond. That's the invitation. Isaiah 55 is where I've been this week. Well, I've been in several Isaiah chapters. God's just had me in Isaiah. Ho! (laughs) Isaiah starts Isaiah 55. Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. You who have no money, come, buy, and eat. You're hungry? You're hungry for more of God? You want more? You're thirsty? You're thirsting after the living God? Are you thirsting after the presence of Almighty God? Yes, come, buy wine and milk without money. Without price. (laughs) The invitation is to come to his table and to eat at his table and to drink at his table where he's prepared the meal. You know, it's not a BYO restaurant, (laughs) it's God of all creation who says, Come, come to my house where there's plenty for everyone. Why do you spend money on what is not bread, he says, and your wages on what does not satisfy? When there's a table waiting for you, fully set, ready to roll, a banquet. Listen carefully to me and eat what is Good. 
and let your soul delight itself in abundance. You know what your soul is? Your mind, your will, and your emotions. And the Lord is inviting you into a place where your soul, your mind, which is so often tormented by the enemy, so often plagued by thought processes and lines of thinking that are destructive, your will, which is so often doing its own thing and dragging you down pathways which you don't really want to go, but somehow deep down inside you do. And you're conflicted over these things. And your emotions, oh, don't start about emotions. (laughs) Don't we all experience the highs and the lows of life and wonder why? Why is it so hard sometimes and other times it's, It's better. Why can I be so high one moment and the very next moment something triggers me and I'm, at the, I'm, I'm begging for mercy in my brain because my emotions have just gone whack. Let your soul delight itself in abundance. See, that's the invitation, isn't it? Come to the Father's house. Come to my house, he says. Come, buy and eat without money. What are we buying with? What's our currency? What's our trading opportunity here? It's not money. There is, money has no value in the kingdom. It's not a currency of heaven, is it? Faith is a currency of heaven. Belief. If you believe, Jesus says, you will receive. If you believe, O ye of little faith, he would say to the disciples who were his followers, and yet at a simple instruction, they balk because they didn't believe. They hadn't yet seen enough yet to have built up their faith so that they really believed. And Jesus says, O ye of little faith, Haven't I shown you enough yet so that you could come to a place where you actually believe the words that I say being true? The currency of heaven is faith. You know, you can't please God without faith. It's impossible to please God without faith. James says, I think it's James says, faith without works is dead. It's not our works, though. A lot of people think it is. It's not our works. It's God's works. It's the work of God. It's the faith without the things that only God can do is dead. That's dead faith is faith that sees no result. The result of faith is works. Whose works? Not our works. God's works. The result of faith is the works of God the works that no one else can do. It's only God. It's only God. It's only God who can heal you. It's only God who can set you free. It's only God who can break the bondages. It's only God who can bring the ultimate breakthrough. It's only God that brings salvation through Jesus Christ, His Son. Only God. And the invitation is there. Incline your ear, verse 3. And come to me. Hear, and your soul 
shall live. Your mind, your will, your emotions shall live. Do you want to truly live? Do you want to be stuck forever? I don't want to be stuck forever. I've been stuck long enough. I've been a Christian and stuck in my lifetime. I've been a, a believer without enough belief. I've been a believer who wasn't sitting at the table. I've been a follower who wasn't following. I've experienced that. I will make an everlasting covenant with you, the Lord says. An everlasting covenant. You know that God never breaks his promises. An everlasting covenant is an agreement that he makes with us that he'll never break. We're pretty good at breaking promises, aren't we? We're not that good at covenant keeping as a rule. Some of us are. Some of us, some folk are reasonably good at it. Maybe they learn early on that it's not a good idea to break covenant. And then, of course, there's people like me who've experienced the the raw emotions of breaking covenant and feeling like you're the worst person on the planet. goes on in verse 6 and says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon You know, without that pardon, I couldn't stand before you. Without having my sins forgiven, I couldn't breathe a word of value into your life. But because of that pardon, because of his mercy, Because I have sought the Lord while he may be found. You know why it says while he may be found? Because while you've got breath, he may be found. While you have breath in your lungs, it's possible to engage with the living God, to encounter almighty God. While he may be found. Once the curtain closes on this life. The decision is made. You've either found him or you haven't. That's it. You'll discover him afterwards. If you haven't found him this side, you'll discover him, but it'll be too late. Verse 8, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. See, we don't understand. 
in our own strength. We, we can try. People, the world doesn't get God. You can try all you like to explain God to people, but without them encountering God, they won't know him. And the only way they can encounter him is if, if he is delivered to them from the innermost parts of your being or somebody else's. Jesus said, out of your inner man, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water if you come and drink from my waters. That will never run dry. We've got a drought on at the moment. and We've got towns in this country that if this rain doesn't reach them, they'll have to evacuate the town, not because of bushfires, but because there's no water left. And Jesus says, if you come and drink of me, you will never be thirsty again. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? Never thirsty again. What's he talking about? He's talking about our soul. Our mind, our will, our emotions. It's not a physical thirst. It's a spiritual thirst. It's an inner thirst. It's a, it's a thirst of our flesh that longs for more and oftentimes the people of this world. And we've been there ourselves. We seek to satisfy the thirst in all the wrong places, don't we? For as the rain comes down, it says in verse 10, and the snow from heaven, and they do not return there, but they water the earth and make it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void but it shall accomplish what I please and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. Do you know that God's word is powerful like a two-edged sword? It can divide between spirit and soul. The soul, the mind, will, the emotions, the part that stops us so often from engaging with God because we're caught up in the things of this world. The, the word of God can penetrate in all of that muck and find our spirit man and say, rise up. It says here that his word will not return void. Do you know that God's word can't return to him unless it comes back out of our mouth? If he releases it, it's got to go back to him via our mouth. And if it comes back to him via our mouth from a heart that believes it to be true, then it will not return void. If it comes out of our mouth, but our heart does not believe it to be true, it falls to the ground because there is no power in that word. Because it needs to be attached to what? Faith. That pleases God. Only faith pleases God. What is faith? Belief. Believe him that he is who he says he is, that his word is true. 
And when we don't believe it, or we doubt it, see, belief and unbelief and doubt are the same thing. We say, oh, it doesn't matter if we have doubt. Well, what did Jesus say to Thomas? Don't doubt. Put your hand here. Know it's me. Stop doubting. Jesus isn't impressed with doubt. We might think it's okay. It is normal, but we're not called to normal, are we? We're called to supernormal, <laughs> supernatural normal. It's another realm, it's another level, it's another place that God calls us to. Yeah? Wow. It shall not return to him void. How does it return? When it reaches into our heart and we embrace it and we go, I'm going to speak that word back to God. I'm going to speak that word over my circumstances. I'm going to declare the word of the Lord how do we get the word of the Lord into our heart? By reading it, by dwelling on it, by entering into a place where it comes alive in us. I love the last few verses of Isaiah 55, 12 and 13. For you shall go out with joy and be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills will break forth before you in singing. And all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up a cypress tree. And instead of the briar shall come up a myrtle tree. And it shall be to the Lord for a name, for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. You shall go out with joy and be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth before you in singing. It's figurative speech, but it says something about the life that we're meant to live in him. Joy and peace, our portion as we go, as we enter into life, as we engage on a daily experience. We're meant to experience whatever we experience with joy in our heart and peace Raining on the inside. But that only comes as we have engaged the invitation. Come. Everyone come to the waters. That you have no money, come by and eat. Incline your ear that you may hear, that your soul shall live. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Jesus identified the kingdom like this. It's like a king who prepared a banquet for his son's wedding. Invited all the people to come in, all the guests. Sent his servants out to invite them in. And they said they're too busy. They didn't come, did they? Matthew 22. And Jesus answered and spoke to them about, 
again by a parable and said, The kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who arranged a marriage for his son. And he sent out his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding, and they were not willing to come. Again, he sent out other servants, saying, Tell those who are invited, See, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fatted cattle are killed, and all things are ready. Come to the wedding. But they made light of it and went their own ways, one to his own farm, another to his business. And the rest seized the servants, treated them badly, and killed them. When the king heard about this, he was furious. And he sent out his armies and destroyed those murderers and burned up their city. Then he said, so again, then he said to his servants, the wedding is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. Therefore, go into the highways, and as many as you find, invite them to the wedding. So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all whom they found, both bad and good. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. And when the king came in to see the guests, he saw the man there who did not have on a wedding gown. So he said to him, And friend, how did you come in here without a wedding gown? But the, the man was speechless. Then the king said to his servants, Bind him up hand and foot, take him away, cast him into the outer darkness, and there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. Do you think it's interesting that Jesus would finish such an amazing story with such an incredible challenge? He wants us to understand something. The invitation is there, and while you can, while he may be found, we must seek him. But as we seek him, as we engage, then we also need to put on the garments. The Spirit, through the Word, talks about these garments, the garment of praise, the garment of thanksgiving. Take off the garments of heaviness and put on a garment of praise. Talks about white garments in Revelation. What's it talking about? It's talking about the the things of heaven, the attributes of God, embracing God, walking in his ways. We have an invitation to go deeper. A lot of people don't know how to do that, but God's made a way. The scriptures make it clear that there will be those who enter heaven as though they had chased the fire off their tail. It's the grace of God. That's Paul talking. He said, you know, there's noble things in the king's household and there's ignoble things. Wood, things made of wood and straw. And he's just using items of a household that some that burn up and some that don't. When the fire comes, some, you know, And he says, you know, there will be those who make it to heaven. But it won't be a glorious 
entry, it'll be like a, made it. But the invitation is for more. The invitation, see, there's an invitation for more. There's an invitation for deeper. There's an invitation to engage. There's There's a torn curtain which says, welcome to the Holy of Holies. Welcome to the throne of God. Welcome into my house. Welcome to my table. Welcome to feast. Come, buy and eat, you who have no money. I want to finish, or wrap it up, I should say. Same thing, I guess. <laughs> um, over in Isaiah 57. The Lord had me in Isaiah this week. Um, as some of you know, Sheikh and I have been fasting. We're, on a, we're now on a partial fast, so I can have a bit of soup with you tonight. Um, so that's pretty cool. But um, we've been pressing in, and one of the things that God's been doing for me is he's been waking me up early in the morning and uh, getting me just to dwell in his word. I made an agreement with him, of course, that he could do it. I suppose I wouldn't have rolled out of bed if I hadn't. (laughs) I wake up. I set my alarm for when I need to get up, just in case he doesn't wake me up. But it hasn't happened so far. In fact, I've had mornings where he's woken me up super early. Like this morning, he woke me up at 2. I was like, wide awake, lying in bed going, well, what do I do now? I thought, oh, yeah, that's right. Really, God? Two o'clock? <laughs> okay, let's do it. So I'll get out there and he's got me reading Isaiah again. But I love this. It's actually really opening up my eyes to things because another thing that the Lord's been showing me since I started fasting, we started fasting on Boxing Day. Um, because, of course, we, we both worked Christmas Day and Boxing Day. It wasn't like... You know, we were overloaded with food like a lot of people are. So we'd actually already started. Um, so we'd cut out on coffee a week before. and We'd sort of reduced the amounts so that the first week we could go without food. And, and then after seven days, we started eating again. and started, We went on to a, what, what is called a Daniel fast. And, um, and it's because we want to press into for breakthrough for us, for you for the church, for the community. and uh, That's why I'm so glad and so blessed that Jeff and Chrissy um, found that song, Breakthrough, and have been playing it. just really blesses my heart because that, it really ties in with the theme that God's had us praying into. Um, the, I f- came across this um, scripture in Isaiah 57. I want to read... Uh, let me see where I'll read from. I read from halfway through 13. But he who puts his trust in me shall possess the land and shall inherit my holy mountain, healing for the backslider. And one shall say, heap it up, heap it up, prepare the way, take the stumbling block out of the way of my people. For thus says, this is verse 15, for thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place with him who has a contrite heart and a humble spirit. 
to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite. I think that's powerful. I love it for two things. One, it's talking about revival. And, uh, and that's one of the things that we're pressing in for is revival. But see, the revival here is revival of the heart, revival of the spirit of man. I believe that's what revival is because, and, and, and prior to that, it's talking about backsliders. You know that anybody who is not fully engaged is a backslider. True, eh? So you might say, oh, I'm not a backslider. Well, have you been further than you are today? Have you been closer to God than you are today? Is this the closest you've ever been to God? Then you're probably not a backslider. You probably come to as far as you've come to, but there's so much more. But if you're like me, you've been closer. You've had those encounters. You've had, you know, visitations. You've had excitement so strong in your heart that nothing could contain you and then you've stepped back from that place somewhere on the line because of stuff. And he's talking about backsliders here. But here's the key to revival. I dwell in the high and lofty place with him who has a contrite and humble spirit. Do you know what the word contrite means? Contrite is, is like repentance, but it's a deeper explanation for repentance. See, repentance, oftentimes we think, oh, repent of your sins. In other words, God, I'm sorry, I turn around and I go the other way, you know. But contrite is like, it's like an anguished soul at the condition of my heart. It's recognizing the wretchedness of our soul when we're outside of God and looking at ourselves with a sober mind and going, oh my goodness, what a wretched man or what a wretched woman I am without God. And when we recognize that and we humble ourselves before God, we go, God, I'm so, I'm so sorry. And it's the true nature of the heart to be poured out before him. That's contrite and humble. Well, every time in the scripture it says, humble yourself before the Lord, it's talking about come before God with prayer and fasting. It's, it's really about crucifying the flesh. Jesus said, you can't follow me unless you take up your cross. You have to die to yourself, take up your cross and follow me. If you want to follow me, die to yourself first. Wow. See, that's humble. And that's contrite. And uh, Psalm 24 says, Who may dwell in my holy place? Mountain of the Lord, Zion. He who has clean hands and a pure heart. That's what Psalm 24 says. He who has clean hands and a pure heart. Now, that's the same as contrite and humble spirit. Clean hands, pure heart. 
See, clean hands is about repentance. See, because you can't clean your own hands. You can in the natural, but you can't in the spirit. Only God can. That's the key. You can't clean yourself. You can't be holy in your own strength. It's impossible. You can try and be holy, but you can't. Your holiness doesn't come from you. Your holiness comes out of a contrite heart that lays itself before the Father who is a forgiver of sins, who cleanses us through the blood of Jesus Christ and sets us free. And then we stand up in the washed, cleansed nature of Christ and we are free. So clean hands. So our hands are clean who, by who? By Christ. Our hands are clean by Christ. Not by ourselves. Not by our works. See, that's where the difference is. It's not works. It's not by works. Our works. It's by his works. Faith without works is dead, but not our works. It's his works. What are his works? His works are miraculous. To set the prisoner free to cleanse the unrighteous, to bring us to a place of freedom in him. That only comes as a gift that we can't pay for, we can't buy. We don't have money for that. We don't have the currency that can pay for that, except that we believe. We come before him with a contrite heart, with belief. So I believe you, God, and I believe that I need you, and I need you now. And I lay my life down before you and I ask for forgiveness. See, that's the core of how we came to Christ in the first place. If we've never had a contrite heart, then we're not saved. <laughs> True, hey? Because you can only be saved by forgiveness of sins. And you can't be forgiven of sins if you've never actually confessed your sins with a pure heart before God. So you're not saved unless you've come before God with a contrite heart. But you don't necessarily always remain that way because you can wander back into your stuff, which Paul talks about in Corinthians, talks about to the whole Corinthian church because they were kind of doing that. Clean hands and what, a pure heart. What's a pure heart? Humble. A humble heart. One that comes before the Father with no motive other than his not our agenda, but his. A humble heart is one where the flesh is crucified. Our will is done away with. This is why fasting is such a powerful thing. We don't recognize it and we often don't practice it. And the Lord's challenged me to practice fasting and shek. And he's shown me why through scripture. He said, if you do this, you crucify the flesh. And as you crucify the flesh, you come before me with contrite and humble heart. And then I can lift you up. I want to encourage you all today. The invitation is there. It's not just an invitation to have a good time. There is joy and there's peace that flows out of it. And there's beautiful food, you know, like food to satisfy the soul. To, and, and so there is the good time in it, but it starts not as good time, end result, that's what we're after, but we, we start by coming before the Father and say, you, God, are worthy of all my praise. You're worthy of me laying down my life. You're worthy of me engaging with you at a level I've never engaged before, or perhaps I haven't done for such a long time. 
And so I want to encourage you tonight as I wrap it up, and I've done things a little different tonight. We're going to enter into a time of communion at the end in just a moment. And I want to invite you. No, God is inviting you. And I'm just the spokesman sharing the invite. To a deeper place with him. To a place where your spirit man grows, rises up, enlarges. Scripture says, enlarge your tent. I read that in one of these passages this week. It was just so in my face. Enlarge the place of your tent, it says in Isaiah 54. And let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare. Lengthen the cords. Strengthen your stakes. For you shall expand to the right and to the left. And it's talking to the people of Israel. In the natural but also in the spiritual. And that's the calling that's on us to expand. Now how do we expand our spirit, man? How do we expand to the point where the flesh doesn't keep getting in the way. Well, I think that's one of the keys that I want to challenge you with at the end of this message. That's something that God's challenged me with, and I'll share it with you. I shared it with the congregation this morning, and I think it's powerful. The Apostle talked about um, something that we could do that would... build ourselves up in the holy faith. It's a gift from God that builds us up. You see, all the other gifts are there to build. So I get a gift so I can build you up and I can build you up and I can build you up. But there's a gift that's given to me that builds me up. And there's a gift that's given to you that builds you up and it's the gift of tongues. It's the gift of your holy language with God. And I want to encourage you, challenge you. Simple challenge. You might think it's simple on the surface, but do it and you watch. 40 days. Set aside 40 days. Write it down in your diary. Set aside 40 days to pray in tongues for 40 minutes a day. And you might think, oh, I already pray a lot more than that. Great, praise God. Then you know what I'm talking about. But a lot of us, we don't do it more than a few minutes a day. If that, in between pickups on the taxi, pray in tongues. When you've got someone in the back and they're on the phone doing their own thing, just quietly under your breath, you're following the route. I reckon I prayed, some days this week I prayed more than eight hours in the day. Because I'm driving for eight hours and every moment that I'm not engaged with talking to someone, the doors aren't open, the doors are closed and I'm driving, I'm praying in tongues. And I believe that what happens is that I am built up as I do that. My spirit man who's expanded, my tent pegs are... Do you know that Peter, the Apostle Peter, he must have prayed in tongues a lot because as he walked along the streets, his very shadow would 
cast on people and heal them. What's his shadow? Except that it's the spirit man inside because it's the spirit that has expanded beyond his physical bounds. Paul said, and he was boasting, but he's boasting in the Lord. He said, I praise God that I pray in tongues more than any of you. That's a big boast because he wouldn't have known everybody and what they do in private, but he just must have been so confident that he just prays in tongues, prays in tongues, prays in tongues, prays in tongues all the time. And you know what? When you think about it, who wrote most of the New Testament via revelation from the Holy Spirit? And how do you think he got that? Because he was building up his spirit, man. What does it do? It expands our capacity to contain the river of living water. That Jesus, that comes from the throne room of heaven. Yeah? Amen? Pray in tongues. Pray in the Spirit. Pray in all occasions, Scripture says. And we think, well, how do we do that? Well, you can exhaust yourself with your own language. Pray as many things. Pray for your kids. Pray for your granddaughters. Pray for, you know, the, the, the neighbors. Pray for the situation. In, you, you, could, you could keep on going and pray, 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 pray. But at some stage or another, you're just going to run out of things to say. And then you'll kick into another gear and let the Holy Spirit pray through you. Because it really is the Spirit of God that's praying through you. Because he gives you the prayer language. It's not, you, it's, it's, it's not my language that I give to you. It's your language that you get from God. Because yours is different to mine. If you've heard mine, you know it's different to yours. There might be some phrasings that might pop out that sound the same. We don't speak the same language because only God can understand what I say unless he gives you an interpretation of what I say when I speak it out. And then it's a gift as well. Yeah? So here's, here's what we'll do to wrap up this evening. I want us to um, spend some time communing with the Lord. Maybe, maybe you have been... Um, in a state of backsliding. And that, that might just be back from the edge. You step back from the edge. It talks about it in the Word, doesn't it? Revive my spirit, Lord. Come before Him with a contrite heart if you've never done that before do it maybe you need to spend some time alone with him let his word reach into your heart if you're not sure how to do that pray the prayer that David prayed Lord search my heart see if there's any wicked way in me. What's he wanting? He's wanting God to reveal anything that he needs to repent of. Anything that he needs to lay down. Come humbly for, before your maker and say, God, this is me. I'm not perfect. But come with a contrite heart. Say, Lord, you know me. You know where I'm at. You know where I've been. You know what I've done. I ask forgiveness. 
I want a new start, God. I want a breakthrough. I want to know you more. I want my spirit to live, to soar. I want to go out of here with joy and peace. It's my portion. Just as you take the simple elements of communion tonight, the bread and the wine, the representatives of those things. Remember him. Remember his sacrifice, the ultimate price that was paid that you might enter into this engagement process, that you might sit at the table of a loving God. Engage tonight. Spend some time. Don't rush away. Just give it, give it some time tonight. That's why I felt to put the communion at the end of the meeting so that we can just take the time we need. Can I encourage you to take up that challenge of praying in the Spirit as much as you can. If if you're willing to challenge yourself to 40 minutes a day for 40 days, watch what it does to your life. Don't be surprised if the enemy tries to shut you down. Convince yourself that he can't. Stir your inner man up to say no. I will spend time with my Lord. If God wakes you up in the early hours of the morning when you'd rather be sleeping and you, but you just sense it's God, don't roll over. Because we're all tempted to do that from time to time. Aren't we? Roll out. Open the Word. Let Him stir you up. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth that you release to us, through us, and in us. We thank you that you've invited us to your table. We thank you that in you we have hope. We can be revived. We can thrive. We have abundant pardon. (laughs) Praise God. Father, I bless your people who have gathered here tonight. And I ask, Lord, that even now, in the quietness of these moments, that your encounter will be strong and powerful and life-changing. Bless each one, I pray in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. This has been another Kingdom Community Church podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, go to www.kingdomcc.com.au.